When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Mind Love, episode 321. Today's episode is all about the illusion of the right choice. How to embrace life's complexities with Derek Sivers. A lot of people were asking, so which one do you really follow? I said, no, all of them. And I realized that the question had in it this idea of rightness. Which one is right? Like, which one is true? Because then only one can be the right answer, right? I think that's a flawed way of thinking about it. And it makes people discard uh, an entire... It makes people discard hundreds of great ideas because they're wrapped in an ideology. And if something about that ideology is flawed, then they can define the whole thing as not right or not true and discard it all. When in fact, there's a ton of good wisdom in it. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. If this is your first time giving your mind a little love, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Mind love is a habit, and the more you give your mind that love and intention, the better you'll feel about yourself and your life. Plus, it's really a win-win because more subscribers means Mind Love attracts even more amazing guests to bring you their wisdom. So don't forget to subscribe. Have you ever felt torn between two different perspectives? One minute you're reading that going vegan's gonna solve all your problems, and the next you hear that keto's the way to go and veganism's gonna kill you. Then someone says you should lock yourself away for six months to focus on your goals. But then you read that your 20s and 30s are for exploring the world and finding yourself. And just when you think you got a handle on things, you come across a post that says the key to happiness is minimalism and owning less. But hold on, here's another one that argues that investing in high quality things that bring you joy is the way to go. 5am power mornings versus sleeping in, coffee versus no coffee. Literally, there's an argument for and against everything. It's like everyone has an opinion on the right way to live your life, and they're all shouting at you from different corners of the room. Well, here's what I've discovered on my 15-year quest for the right way to live. I've explored everything from the ultimate human diet to the perfect spiritual path and even the ideal daily routine. And I've asked questions like, when are people the most productive? Are people happier with or without kids? Should we be saying no more often or yes more often? all in the hopes of cracking the code to the most fulfilling life. But guess what? The more I searched, the more confused I became. Sometimes I'd try two completely opposite approaches, and they would both work. And other times, something would work wonders for a few weeks or even years, and then suddenly it would lose its magic. But here was the even bigger problem. Every time I thought I'd found the right way, I was inadvertently labeling every other option as wrong, because that's just how right versus wrong mindset works. And you know what? Making other things wrong actually backfires. 
instead of bringing happiness, it invites more judgment, more discomfort, and even more fear into our lives. But here's a crazy idea. What if there's no such thing as the wrong way? What if what's right for me isn't necessarily what's right for you? And what if what's right for you today isn't what will be right for you next year? Even more mind-bending. What if everything is unfolding exactly as it should, no matter what choice we make or how chaotic or painful it might seem in the moment? I get it. The idea that nothing is wrong can be a tough pill to swallow for some. It usually triggers quite a few people. But what if we leaned into trusting the bigger plan at play? The challenge is, we're bombarded with so many options that it can be hard to see the divine plan amid the chaos of our choices. So how do we connect with that inner wisdom that sees the bigger picture and helps us make confident, bold choices? Well, we're diving deep into all of this today, and our guest is Derek Sivers. Frankly, he is one of the most unique and interesting people I have ever met. He's an author of philosophy and entrepreneurship, known for his quotable insights and succinct writing style. He's been a musician, a programmer, a TED speaker. He sold his first company for $22 million and gave all of the money to charity. And three key things we will learn today are the secret to balancing the demands of parenting, podcasting, marriage, and more through one powerful concept, how to navigate multiple belief systems without getting caught in the trap of searching for the one true belief, and a revolutionary technique used by spiritual gurus to unleash your decision-making potential. And if this is your first time giving your mind a little love, I have a few goodies for you. First, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And second, sign up for the Morning Mind Love. Think of it like a weekday oracle from your highest self to help you start each day with a positive focus. Plus, you'll get two gifts absolutely free, a 30-minute binaural meditation and 30 days of journaling prompts to help you remember who you truly are. So join over 9,000 people and go to mindlove.com to sign up or text the word MORNING to 33777. And now let's welcome Derek Sivers to the show. Thank you, Melissa, and thanks for uh, having me, even though you just moved house. <laughs> well, I usually like to ask people what inspired their latest book, but I want to ask you what inspired your whole lifestyle, because I'm obsessed <laughs> with everything that I've read so far, and I'm like, yes, these are just tidbits I feel like everyone needs in their pocket. Oh, what inspired my lifestyle? Um... It might be the fact that uh, I moved around a lot as a kid. And so I always had the feeling like I'm not from here. No matter where I am, I'm not from here. And therefore, I feel like your rules don't apply to me. Uh, I didn't feel a need to adhere to the cultural norms of wherever I am. So it meant that I was often thinking of things from scratch. Like, well, people here do it this way, but how do I think it should be? Well, I think it should be that way, so I'm going to do it that way, you know, because that's, yeah, in a, I often ask myself the question, of like, in a perfect world, how would it be? And then I just try to make my life work in alignment with that. Does that make sense? <laughs> it does, and that might be why I resonate with so much of what you say, because I was an only child in our family, 
I, it's not like we moved. I wish we would have moved countries more, but, um, but I was just moving schools a lot as a kid when my mom met my stepdad and then moving another time. I just was always the new kid. I moved like eight times by third wow. grade. And so, wow. uh, and I am a, just not a rule follower. Like everybody knows that about me. <laughs> it just came up in conversation yesterday. My mom said something and I was like, you know, if you make it not a rule, I'll be more likely to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. So you've noticed that about yourself. That's really I cool. Am. Yes. Yes. I and my it's funny just hearing you say that because my it was a the joke, uh, especially for a big group of friends in my twenties, they would always say, Well, then there's Melissa's Melissa's always saying, There's gotta be a better way. And it was like a a play on the infomercial line. <laughs> but that's how right. I was always like looking at what people are doing and I'm like, there's gotta be a better way. Is there a new tool for that? Is there something else we can do? And redoing nice. people's processes <laughs> nice we got to credit the fact too that um there are different phases in life and sometimes when you are super busy and overwhelmed with work or life you don't have time <laughs> to to stop and question things uh i think it was an old george carlin joke he said some people look at the world and say why others look at it and say why not and then others look at it and say, I don't have time for this shit. <laughs> um, so uh, it's sometimes in life you don't have time to get all philosophical and questioning everything. Sometimes you do. That's true. I have an infant and a toddler right now, and I'm kind of teetering between that at any given moment. And then I'll have like right. both kids will be napping, and then all of a sudden I'm like redoing my <laughs> shelves or something just right. to make room. That's... This move was actually such a blessing in disguise because it came very last minute. And so we didn't have time to talk ourselves out of it. And then <laughs> all of the storage is different. And so I have to, I had to rethink every part of my life, but I was actually able to say like, what do I do when I first come in the door? How do I cook? And I'm like, wow, there's so many better ways to organize everything. And, and I feel like I'm having a whole life makeover right now. I love that. One of the, here's a weird thing about me. I love moving house. I love moving every year or two because of the process that you just described that when you move, for one, you just get a new experience. Like, cool. You get to live life in a new place for a couple years. But the process of moving from one place to the other makes you start to question all these things, things that you might have acquired a few years ago with the best of intentions, but now it's been two years and you haven't used it. And so when it's time to pack it up, it's like, really, am I going to pack this up and carry it to the new place and unpack it again? Maybe it's time to get rid of it. Or, you know, what this place really needs is dot, 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 you know. So I really love that process of moving. It's so healthy. I'm really glad to hear you say that perspective because all everyone ever says about moving is how much it sucks. And so mm -hmm. then I sort of defaulted into that where I'm like, oh, moving is yeah. such a drag, but I'm actually pretty excited about it. I also mm -hmm. have never lived somewhere longer than three years uh, because we're, we just rent. But I feel myself being like, I should buy, we should buy soon. And I kept <laughs> saying during this move, we're going to have to move at least one more time just because then we'll own a house. This is a rental. We can't stay here forever. And so, but I might be questioning that now. Like, it's like this thing and it goes to what you talk about where societal norms become the thing everyone's looking to do, but they don't really stop yeah. and ask like, is this what's right for me? Or what do I yeah. want to do? Why do I want to do this? Is it just because everyone else wants to do it? And, yeah. and one of the reasons we haven't bought anywhere is because we 
aren't 100% sure of like where we want to end up. We just want, we keep living in the moment of like, well, nature now. Well, now we're nature people. We're probably never going to live away from nature. We live up on the mountains. And so, yeah, I might be request. I might be questioning the whole buying a house thing. <laughs> Good. It's, it's so, Melissa, even from what you know about me, even I, until just a few months ago, didn't question that. I kept thinking I needed to buy a place too. And then I realized when I did a hypothetical that the idea of staying in one place for 20 years to me felt like death. That was a worst case scenario. So I was like, well, why would I buy a house then? Like I really do, like my ideal life would be moving every year or two. Uh, but then still I hadn't questioned this cultural norm Rin, of, of uh, that you should try to buy a place. And so I kept thinking I was gonna buy a place and I kept thinking that I was gonna make it my home base and then travel. But then I realized like, no, I don't even want a home base. I, I don't want to be anywhere for 20 years. I want to keep going. That's life to me. Grant Cardone talks about that a lot, how you shouldn't live in the houses that you own. You should just rent them. Um, mm. And the houses that you own, you you rent out because once you live in it, then it's not an asset anymore. He has a whole thing mm. about it. And so he rents the perfect houses, moves whenever he wants, and then all the houses he owns, he rents out and then makes a profit on them. <laughs> I think nice. that's a pretty good way to go while still owning a house. If maybe he really likes owning and renting out places. To me, I would rather have uh, my investments be more diverse. I'd rather have some ETFs that represent the entire world economy instead of just that house in Cleveland or Wellington or whatever it may be. I'd rather uh, spread out that risk and not have to have the tangible single place that I own that I'm depending on. Because, you know, then it's like a fire or a flood hits that one home and you're screwed. I'd rather just have ETFs in the stock market. But that's me. You know, everybody's got their <laughs> own preference. I don't want to be a landlord. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he owns thousands of houses, so it oh, okay. is spread out a little bit. But I want to talk about your book, How to Live, because I've been opening pages and finding like today's life advice for a couple of weeks now. And there's just, I've never seen a book written in the way that this book is written. It's, it almost looks like it's going to be poetry. It almost reads like poetry. It does read like poetry, but it's like every paragraph is just this tidbit. I want to read an example of it because it's amazing. But you just say that all misery comes from dependency. So I actually sent this to my cousins. You say, all misery comes from dependency. If you weren't dependent on income, people, or technology, you would be truly free. The only way to be deeply happy is to break all dependencies. And the way I found you was actually the Tim Ferriss podcast, and you were talking about becoming free of tech, which is something I still have a lot of work to do, but I'm very inspired by that. But I love new tech products. All my stuff is in the cloud. <laughs> but now there's all these things talking about like, one day the grid's going to go down. The World Economic Forum's already <laughs> warning about it. And so how did you, you talked about how you sort of compiled all of this because you were questioning things. But what about this book in particular? How long did it take you to write it? There's literally something about every point of life in here. It, it seems like something that you would like have left on your bed when you died. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, here's Ooh, all I'm that so I've learned. You said that. <laughs> so yeah, you just answered the question. 
we're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? And while you're here listening to a podcast, you might feel like you're on the right track, but then you visit family or you have a work deadline or something unexpected comes up and you're all stressed out and it feels like all the work is out the window. That's why it's so important to consciously curate what you can control, like who you surround yourself with, what you watch, what you listen to. So I'm going to add another podcast to your toolbox, The Dr. John Deloney Show. He has a PhD in counseling and has been sitting with hurting people for 20 years. He shares practical advice for everything from how to connect with people, how to face depression, overcome anxiety, and learn just what it means to be well. But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help on the show. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney show is here for you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I really need to get something off my chest. Being a mom of a three-year-old boy is really freaking hard and sometimes it has me questioning my sanity. But then he'll grab my face and call me his sweet little mama. Yes, that's a real thing he says. (laughs) And it will all melt away until I break his banana. I thought I was done with emotionally abusive relationships, but nope. We all carry around stressors, big and small. And when we keep them all bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. For me, just talking things through is hugely helpful, but it's so hard finding friends and family that are unbiased or non-judgmental. And therapy isn't just about dealing with major trauma, you know? It's about learning healthy coping mechanisms, setting boundaries, becoming the best version of yourself. And BetterHelp makes it super convenient, too. Everything's done online so you can fit therapy sessions around your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MindLove today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash MindLove. That was the original motivation was when my kid was born, maybe a year old, a lot of parents start thinking of this thing of like, what happens if I die before my kid is old enough for me to teach them what I've learned? I better write it down. Apparently, this is a real common feeling. So my book, How to Live, started with that. Like, how would I put everything I've learned into a book? And then I started thinking about the The most efficient way to communicate an idea is as a directive to just say, do this. Because that's like a seed that that has the oak tree inside. So we could spend thousands of hours describing every twig of the oak tree. Or you could say, just take this and stick it in the ground (laughs) and water it. Um, That's the directive that carries so much other knowledge with it that usually the person will have to learn from their own personal experience. But a simple directive saying, do this, carries so much wisdom inside of it. To me, it's like the most compact form of wisdom is do this. So then I started thinking, that would be badass to compile everything I've learned in life into a book full of directives. And I was like, but I have many conflicting things I've learned in life. That's why the first two chapters, so listeners, if you haven't read the book yet, uh, Melissa just read 
from the opening chapter, which is saying, be independent. Here's how to live, be independent. Then the very next chapter is, here's how to live, commit, which is all about being dependent, about making dependencies and thriving on your dependent connections. And I realized along the way, that's how I see life, is these things are both true. Independence is crucial, and dependence is crucial, and giving is crucial, but receiving is crucial. So how do we reconcile all of this? Uh, well, I'll wreck the surprise a little bit. The very last page of the book is a picture of an orchestra seating chart with the violins here, the clarinets, the cellos, the trumpets and whatnot. And I realized that I see the different ways we could approach our life, kind of like instruments in the orchestra, that it's not like one is the right answer, you know, is, is the French horn the right answer for you for life? No, it's like you're a, you are the composer and conductor. You get to use all these different ways of living like instruments, like the way that a composer uses instruments to say, okay, now I'm going to bring in the trombones for a while. And now I'm going to mix it with the cellos and then stop the cellos. Now it's time for just a little flute solo. That might be you saying, okay, I'm taking on the responsibility of two children and we've decided we want to be in nature now. And now you've combined this. You've combined children, nature, a podcast, a marriage, and a few things. You've got a few instruments playing at once right now. But you might at some point in your life say, kids, <laughs> mama needs some alone time. And you might take 10 days to go to Greece by yourself. And that's like a, a piccolo solo in the middle of the orchestra. <laughs> you know, it's like that's when you can pause your other values and say, I need more of this right now, this thing. And again, it's not like the piccolo is the right answer for life. It's just what you need at that time. And then you can go back to your combination of the violins and violas and cellos and the other values in your life. So yes, that's, that's the, I mean, that also kind of answers your first question about uh, how do I approach life? It's the How to Live book. I'm glad you answered that because there were a couple things where I was like, well, here we're talking about completely living in the moment, but here we're talking about thinking long term. <laughs> and I was like, this reminds me though of something that I'm always talking about. I talk about my Rolodex of mindsets and it's something that I realized mm. in my 20s where everyone's always seems to be looking for like the right way to think about something. And I've learned over time that I need to just figure out what's gonna help me th in this moment. And it might be different from tomorrow. What works right now might not work in a month because I get over it or because I'm in a different stage of life or, or whatever it is. And the ultimate goal is to just kind of figure out how to have acceptance for what is. And so if you're using different tools, different ways of looking at it, like, okay, now I'm only thinking about my future self. Now I'm not thinking about the future at all. I'm only thinking about right now. And you're just doing this to see like, okay, well, which I'm flipping through my Rolodex of mindsets. Oh, there it is. There's peace. <laughs> you know, like I thought yeah. about it this way, put it through this Ooh. filter and suddenly things are a little bit rosier. That's nice. I like that. That's a great metaphor. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. You left me with about a hundred, so I'll give you one. <laughs> you can add it to your next book. <laughs> well, actually, I I was biting my tongue to not say that, but 
I love that you said which one is right, because that is the subject of my next book. I realized that when people read How to Live, a lot of people were asking, so yeah, but which one do you really believe? Which one do you really follow? I said, no, all of them. And I realized that the question had in it this idea of rightness. Which one is right? Like, which one is true? Because then only one can be the right answer, right? And I think that has this, this idea of true inside it, of wanting to define something as true and right and chosen and the other ones as wrong or flawed or not quite right and therefore not true. And... uh I think that's a flawed way of thinking about it. And it makes people discard an entire... It makes people discard hundreds of great ideas because they're wrapped in an ideology. And if something about that ideology is flawed, then they can define the whole thing as not right or not true and discard it all. When in fact, there's a ton of good wisdom in it. And let's say like, okay, I know nothing about Scientology, right? But let's say that Scientology might actually have some really good ideas in it. But because they do things, whatever, I don't know, whatever they do. You know, we hear bad things about Scientology. I've seen the documentaries, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, okay. See, I haven't even seen the documentaries. I've just heard Scientology equals bad, equals evil, equals manipulative, or something like that. And so we discard the entire ide ideology. But what if you were to actually read their teachings and you liked two-thirds of it? Well, most people wouldn't even do that. They just say, stay away from that. You know, crazy people do that. But if there's some good stuff in there, we have it bundled in an ideology that we've defined as wrong. And so we can ignore that. Or, um, you know, somebody can be Christian and then their local pastor molests somebody and they can just say, that's it. I'm leaving the church because... The messenger is flawed, therefore the religion is flawed, therefore all of the teachings are flawed because it's no longer right. So I'm trying to separate this idea of useful from true, that something can be useful even if it's not true. And in fact, we should stop trying to call things true and right and judge them just on whether they're useful to us. And that's, that's how you, like your uh, mindset Rolodex. I really like that metaphor. It's funny that you're talking about this because an episode just aired, or actually it's airing next week, around embracing diversity and spirituality. Because I was raised Christian, and my family is still very much so. And I was in my teens, I think I was always questioning things. Like there were just things that contradicted, that didn't line up, and it just never really resonated with me. And so it's always a topic on my mind, especially when my mom just comes to help me move. <laughs> just comes up every time. And I I am totally a proponent for taking what's needed. I remember I was listening to Ram Das and somebody asked him a question around some guru who had apparently done some sexual abuse and so everyone was discounting everything and he said like you have to allow the humanness in these people as well. Like power easily corrupts even some of the best minds. And so they come mm. to the West, bring in all their teachings, and then they're <laughs> it's, it's kind of hard to be above that in all s situations if you're still human, which pretty much every guru is. But yeah, I love that. I just finished reading a book on Islam, which was first for me. 
I have been diving into Hinduism quite a bit. Wait, wait, I, wait, wait. Stop there. Wait, what Muslim book? What'd you read? The Secrets of Divine Love by A. Helwa. Huh. Uh, and so she wrote it in a way to kind of show people a different side of this religion that has taken a lot of just a lot. There's a lot of people think they know about things when they only yeah. know a couple of talking points. And it's funny yep. because Scientology, I think, is the same way. When I was young, we had a neighbor that was a Scientologist. And my oh, wow. and my um, I remember my mom just my mom's always been pretty intense Christian and she was warned that this was a cult. And so she literally like, I think she said something to my stepbrother who then told my neighbor, who then told her mom that my mom thinks she's in a cult. It was this whole thing. We couldn't hang out anymore. But I remember getting older and I was like reading some something about Scientology and I was like, there are some great things in here. Pretty much everything that I have learned on how to be happier, less anxious, it's all in there. But then it's like the higher you get up, then you start to kind of figure out all the secret beliefs that aren't presented to the public. But it's actually, <laughs> minus all the documentaries, it's actually got a lot of good things in there. <laughs> so just mm. like you were saying, um, yeah, there's just, there's something in everything. And uh, there's a part of your book that where you talk about sort of not, not conforming to the societal norms or to the religious doctrine or, or whatever. And that's kind of how I live. I love to learn, learn about things just enough. And then I'm like, eh, oh, I just got too, a little too deep. This part's not serving me. <laughs> I'll stay <Right>. over here. <laughs> right. Well, okay, wait, you lived in Santa Monica, right? Yes. Okay. When I moved to Santa Monica, I loved it, but I found it funny that, at least when I was there, I don't know if it's still the same way, Everybody kind of insisted that you have to do yoga. <laughs> oh, my God, you live in Santa Monica. Are you going to do yoga? You're coming with me to yoga? And so many people get into yoga, and then they treat it like it's a little religion. Suddenly they're, they're saying namaste to strangers, and they're, they're changing the design of their house to be this kind of yoga-ish way. And people really love to buy into an ideology. They really have this... this need to not just keep it as disparate ideas, but to combine it into an ideology so they can say, I subscribe to this. You know, it's not that you just do yoga. I, I am the person that does yoga. I'm going to be this whole way. And same thing with um, people that do cycling. They're not just riding a bike. Suddenly they have to wear the exact same thing that everybody else wears with the company names on their their spandex, lycra, whatever that stuff's called, and act a certain way and uh, kind of buy into the whole thing. And uh, it's funny how we have that tendency to want to turn ideas into an ideology, or we don't want separate ideas. We want an ideology to call it right, to say, this is the one, this is who I am. I know exactly what you mean about the Santa Monica yoga thing. <laughs> I started doing yoga when I lived in Texas, though, <laughs> and then I moved mm -hmm. to Hollywood, and then I was like, maybe I should move to Santa Monica where all the yogis are, <laughs> <laughs> and I moved to Santa Monica where all the yogis were and was very much a part of that whole ideology, and then came a time in life where I started questioning what everyone around me was doing, no longer fit into that ideology <laughs> and moved to mm. Big Bear, and so, yes, it's like even with... 
I thought it was only religion, but no, it's it's like every little sector of life, people suck you in, and then it's like, wait, but you're one of us. You're a yogi. You're supposed right. to also think this way. Oh, oh, lockdowns are happening. You're supposed to get on board. Oh, these protests are happening. You're supposed to think exactly what we all think. And I'm like, right. ooh, <laughs> no. Right. I've, I've never been good at thinking with the group. And the moment I find myself in that place, I will find something where I'm like, mm, nope, still outside here. <laughs> hmm. I'm curious what happened in, or what was it in Santa Monica that you said, like, I, this doesn't work for me? Lockdowns, 2020. Um, oh, no, sorry. I mean about the like oh. the, the yoga community, yogi. Yes, community. that was it. Everyone oh. was, like, um, advocates for everything the government was saying. And I was like, I didn't know this is what liberalism was. But uh-huh. I guess now it is. By June of 2020, we were like, we need to, let's go live in nature and kind of create our own lives where we don't have to listen to what everyone else is doing. <laughs> wow. Yes. Yeah, that it it was so tribalistic, wasn't it? It's well, it still kind pick, of is. Oh yeah, it's a black or white pick your tribe, which one are you? Yeah. Decide now. And now for another episode of Lies We've Been Told About Our Health. We've all heard we need eight glasses of water a day, right? Well, hydration isn't actually about water intake. It's about the balance of water and electrolytes so that our bodies are actually absorbing the water instead of just passing it through. A lot of people go for those sugary sports drinks, but let's be real, those do more harm than good. I've found a better solution. Element. It's a zero-sugar electrolyte drink that's all about effective hydration. Each pack gives you essential electrolytes like sodium and potassium without the unnecessary additives found in other drinks. The team behind Element includes experts in biochemistry and nutrition, so they really know what they're doing. And it's not just for everyday use either. Elite athletes and teams, Olympic weightlifters, CrossFit champions, Navy SEALs, all rely on it too, which to me says a lot about its effectiveness. Here's what makes them really unique. They recently launched a hot chocolate line with flavors like chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. Ever since I went alcohol-free, I've been really intentional about luxurious, health-focused drinks so I can sit back and unwind while actually doing good for my body. And the Element Chocolate Chai is great for relaxing in the evening or warming up after winter sports. And you can try Element totally risk-free. If you don't like it, you'll get your money back. No questions asked. Receive a free Element sample pack with any order when you purchase through drinkelement.com slash mindlove. That's drinklmnt.com slash mindlove to get a free starter pack with any order. Oh, yeah. It's a black or white. Pick your tribe. Which one are you? Yeah. Now. I try to stay out of both sides because I did start to just sort of lean towards the other side. And then they started saying things that I thought were crazy. And so I'm like, yeah, it's best to just stay out of this. I, I really yeah. think the divide and conquer strategies are real. So I no longer align with any political party. I don't I I can pretty much disagree with certain things. Um from anybody that I like and follow, you know, I'm like, but I think there's something to be said for it. Again, it's kind of like creating the whole, a whole ideology over something. It's like, oh, I like this one, this one influencer who's been speaking out against this. And then they'll say something where if you heard it on its own and you didn't already like the person, you might have a red flag that goes up. But because it's this person who's been saying all the other right things, then all of a sudden you believe that you believe that. <laughs> it's just mm. like a, a slippery slope. 
So I hmm. loved the whole section of your book where you talked about, there's this part that says, cut ties with society, don't engage, don't even rebel because that's reacting. And one yeah. of the recent things I've been going through is A Course in Miracles. Have you heard that? of that? I've heard the phrase, but I don't know what it is. It's, um, it popped up in the seventies. A woman named Helen Shookman channeled like it's, it looks like a Bible. It's written on pages that are like biblical width <laughs> and, uh, supposedly she's channeling Jesus. But, um, the whole book is had it's, it really feels close to a lot of the beliefs in Hinduism without necessarily like the God all the different gods that they worship there. Mm -hmm. uh, but but um, I just really resonated with it. And one of the things that it says, though, is it's really about accepting the now, and it talks about resisting, even resisting something you're, you're clinging in a way because you are defining yourself at any given moment rather than just sort of allowing the moment to pass through you, transform you in the way that you need to. But it's like everyone's choosing so much who they are with like every little decision rather than just kind of flowing with how life is. You also talk about free will in a way that A Course in Miracles really defines it, where as we, we think we have this free will, um, we think that we're making all of these choices. Ram Dass was saying something recently, probably 20 years ago, but I listened to it recently, but he was talking about how something happened where his guru like predicted this, this thing. He thought he was making this decision was this hard decision for him to make. And then he ends up showing up with 33 people at this dinner. And the guru already had told somebody two hours before 33 people will be here for dinner, blah, blah, blah. Cause his guru knew everything apparently. And anyway, he's just like all this time I thought I had free will, but if my guru already was prepping for this before I made the decision, what was really happening? <laughs> like, is it just me thinking? And so it's, he talks about how it's best to just sort of you say use a randomizer app or something like that and and then just commit hardcore to whatever the next action is just accept it and um yeah, yeah the, i got like three different sources telling me the same piece of wisdom in the last couple of weeks so i'm like i wow. guess i guess this is how to live <laughs> <laughs> this is the answer this is the yeah. um which which by the way and and thanks for that story that was interesting I, when i was writing the How to Live book, every chapter I was working on, I would convince myself accidentally that this was actually the answer. I know I'm writing this book that the whole point is there's not one answer, but yeah, come on. This is clearly the, the way to live. This is clearly the one. This is how we all should be living. This is, this is the best answer. Every chapter I made myself feel that uh, unintentionally just because I was immersed in that kind of mindset. And then it was time to work on the next chapter and I'd be like, Oh, oh, actually, actually, this is really the answer. This is the way. So I love that I was feeling that because I wanted the reader to feel that. I want you to feel when you're reading each chapter that this is actually the answer. This is truly the way. I was hoping to be persuasive and convince you that this was truly the right answer. And then was hoping to knock you off. What's that? Um, discombobulate, disorient. I was hoping to disorient you with each new chapter then saying that something else was in fact the right answer and then uh, your head was supposed to be spinning by the end uh, that was the intention for the reader but that was also the effect on this writer i think what i love about it though is we talked about the rolodex of mindsets and like well what what way of thinking of this is going to help me right now but when that becomes the habit instead of 
see like me going to your book, like, oh my God, which one's right? <laughs> then it requires introspection. And it and mm. it's funny because one thing that I realized while reading your book was that I've always loved being when I was younger, I loved being the spontaneous person. I never I couldn't make plans more than a day in advance because I wanted to just go with the flow. And that was great until it wasn't. It stopped being as fun for me. And and I moved to a period of my life where I really like to plan things out, like really far in advance. I still leave room for the little spontaneous decisions because I like that. But I realized that I was working towards, well, there was a, a good like year or two that I'm like, all right, you know what? I know myself now. I just need to like actually build a life around all the things that I love. And so I was like, all right, this is my favorite face wash. This is my favorite whatever. And like, instead of trying all of the new things all the time, I just want to kind of stick to these things. And I still have some of those things. But then I was I was getting to a point where my life ended up being so rigid that I was like, nope, need to make room for that spontaneity again. And then all of a sudden I started trying all the new things. And then I yeah. reached a point in my life where I was like, I want to be really min minimal and not have anything. Then I was like, I want a self-care corner where I go sit there. It's got all the things that I want. And, and so what I realized though, is that instead of trying to say like, okay, well, what decision can I make now that'll just last for the rest of my life? I now know like, okay, what do I need today? What, like, what mindset mm. do I want to be in today? What feels good? Let me try on a few mindsets, like, like outfits <laughs> and yeah. decide what works for this period. Maybe next week that mindset doesn't fit anymore. It's a little too small. Maybe <laughs> the week yes. after that. And so it's allowed me to, again, it, it's the habit isn't the thing that I always reach for. It's turning inward and just asking instead yeah. and, and like feeling into what I want and need. I love that. Yeah, I agree. And have done the same with the pendulum swinging far to one side and uh, then going up oh, too far. And then the pendulum swings back to the what, the middle at first, but then I keep going that way and it hits some other uh, extreme. And I go, mm, I think I've got too much of this now. You know, what's funny is, um, long, let me think, how old am I? Like 15 years ago, I did the dating apps and really binged on that. And it was interesting to see how many people, because you're just, you're just coming across hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people looking for a relationship and saying what they want. And it was interesting seeing how many people define what they want by what they don't want. They're usually reacting against their most recent situation. So even you guys moving out to the uh, countryside, was a reaction against being in overcrowded Santa Monica during lockdown, surrounded by this mob mentality. And you're just like, ah, get us out of here. It was a reaction to that. And I wouldn't be surprised if in 10 years, 15 years, something like that, you're like, all right, enough countryside already. <laughs> get me to New York City. Get, let's go to London, whatever it may be. Um, you'll want some urbanness and maybe you'll feel in 10 years, like this, in fact, this is what I really need. We need to live in New York City. This is the place for us now. And you might do that for a few years until you feel like, no, actually, I think what we need is to be nomadic or whatever. Each one feels like it's, it's, a, um, it's a reaction against the previous situation, whether it's what you're looking for in relationships, maybe what you're looking for in your diet, your uh, 
lifestyle, your, um, yeah, I think it's usually a reaction against what we're lacking. Yeah. It's funny that you say that because it was just a couple of weeks ago, we were talking, always deciding, like, are we going to live here? Are we going to go to Michigan where we have a bunch of land already, but I don't know about the winters or we <laughs> like, hmm. uh, and I was just like, I think we're nature people now. I just cannot see myself ever living in a city again. And then I was reading a part of your book the next day and I was like, I mean, we, we could live in a city. I don't, I can't see it now. It doesn't make sense to me now. It feels very yeah. far-fetched, but it feels better for me to feel like opportunities are endless rather than to all of a sudden feel like I'm like creating all these rules for my life. But at the same yeah. time, as you mentioned in your book, Sometimes we think we want more choices when we really want less. And so yeah. it's like, should I be narrowing it down? But for something like that, yeah, it, I, I think a lot of a lot of what I've learned about myself in the last couple of years have been a reaction to what I am realizing through experience I don't want, at least right yeah. now. But it's funny, again, I had like three sources, your book being one of them, A Course in Miracles being another, Ram Dass being another. And it was like, every time I'd read a portion of your book, I'd hear the exact same thing in this other text or audio. <laughs> and I'm right. like, and it was about the the resisting. It's like, you think you're not choosing that, but even in not choosing that, you're choosing something. You're choosing the rest or this other thing yeah. that's the opposite of it. And uh, yeah, I, I think um, a lot of my own self-discovery too has been, it has been watching, realizing what I don't want. <laughs> At the age of... 22, 29, and 42, I decided that nature was the answer, that in fact, I'm just a nature guy. I need to, to go live in nature. And so at the age of 22, 29, and 42, I did. <laughs> uh, the age of 22, it only lasted six months. 29, it lasted two years. 42, I moved to New Zealand, and I'm still here 11 years later. But I'm just starting now after 11 years in gorgeous nature -y New Zealand. I transferred, my plane transferred in Dubai uh, as I was going to a conference. And instead of just switching to the other plane, I turned it into a two-day layover. Because I'm like, well, all right, Dubai is a place on earth that sounds massively unappealing to me. It sounds awful from what I've heard of it. So let me check it out. <laughs> and, um, and I loved it. I loved it so much. I loved it so much that I wish I was there right now. And it is the opposite of nature. It is entirely man-made. And I just realized it was feeling like the remedy for my uh, 11 years in New Zealand. And what's funny is I know a guy who lives there who steered me right a couple times. He said, you have to go to this cultural museum, the, the Alshandaga Cultural Museum. And I'm so glad he told me to do that. I'm so glad I read two books about the United Arab Emirates culture and a third one about the history of Dubai that gave me so much more insight into the place. But then that same guy is saying, you have to go camping out in the mountains here. You have to go out to this trail. You have to do this uh, waterboarding thing or what do you call it? Um, paddleboarding. And that's where I said like, no, 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 no. I'm not here for the nature. Sorry. I live in New Zealand. Like I'm here in Dubai for the people. Oh my God, the people. It's like the bar in Star Wars. Uh, everybody's from everywhere uh, and they've all just gathered together temporarily in this place to get some business done or trade some things or whatever. And oh my God, this is so fascinating to be here. And it's just, it was interesting noticing in myself that I also, yes, I moved to New Zealand feeling like 
ah, I'm just this kind of person. Really, nature's where it's at. This is who I am. And yes, that has been true. And part of me that will always be true. But yeah, I think I, I think that pendulum swung to the far <laughs> edge and is now going back. I get really enthusiastic about all things health. And so I think that's why I love nature so much is like I go walk outside barefoot all the time for grounding. Nice. Like I... I'm teaching my toddler to hug trees and I'm like, do you feel the stability? Can you feel that energy? <laughs> I just want yeah. him to like, want to just open his mind to different ways of thinking and kind of reacting with the world. But yeah, I also like love, I'm an early adopter for anything tech. I love it. And so like this kind of merging of mindful tech, it can be very, it could be a slippery slope, but I love like the, Okay, example of it, the Muse brain sensing headband. I use it for a full year and it, and I'm sitting there simultaneously, mildly concerned about the EMFs that's just <laughs> right around my head. And also my meditation practice improved so much with that thing because anytime you, it's goes by mantra meditation and supposedly if your thoughts sway it starts to make these bird sounds and then you have to go back to the mantra and then they'll die out or it's the opposite maybe maybe the birds come when you're peaceful but it was just immediate feedback it was like the the book peak performance that i read about getting immediate mm. feedback will just really improve anything and so i got this immediate feedback with my meditation and ever since using that for one year period of time I have been a daily meditator since then. Wow. And, and so, yeah, I'm always kind of merging. So I could, my point being is that I could see myself being like, all right, well, now it's time for the bustle of the city because I just like, I like both. But I think that instead of, that's one thing that's changing recently is instead of trying to figure out, well, like, who am I? What do I like? It it goes back to that sort of asking myself, well, what's what's my next step in evolution? <laughs> like, mm, yes. What? Ooh, good one. Yes. What's my next step in evolution? I really like that. Cool. You also talk about choosing. And this is one that I, this is a tidbit from the book that I sent to my husband because my husband's always like, I'm a Libra. I can't make decisions quickly. And, and it's something that he's been working on for years. And there's this section in your book that says, like, you've been looking for the best person, place, or career, but seeking the best is the problem. No choice is inherently the best. What makes something the best choice? You. This is a life-changing epiphany. You can stop seeking the best option. Pick one and irreversibly commit, or at least for now. <laughs> I added that part. What? Uh, then it becomes the best choice for you. And th that was just one of the things even in this whole move where we're like, well, should we be moving to this new house? Should we stay here for one more year? Should we go over there? And it's like, well, we've made the decision. Now we just need to stop looking for the possible downsides because we've already committed. Now we should just go really hard on the good sides until yeah. we feel so excited about it. And I had my mom help move me in. And my mom is a little OCD. She's the cleanest person you will ever meet in your life. She moved out of a house that she lived in for 20 years. And the realtor actually said, we've never seen a house in this condition before. Wow. It's, and so she comes and she's just like, oh my gosh, everything's filthy. And I'm like, mom, you haven't moved into a house that's been lived in before. 
since uh, I was four years old. All of them are brand new. So <laughs> you got to be okay with the woman that just moved out, lived here for 20 years, and there's like a little scuff on the door. And so I, I just spent the last three days being like, can we only focus on the positive aspects because we're already doing <laughs> doing mm, this? Right, right. Yeah, if, if something's already a decision, well, then let's... <laughs> we don't need to focus on the negatives. We've made the decision. Let's focus on the positives. Yeah. You know, that thing about choosing something and committing doesn't have to be forever. So I, I love the way that you mentioned this. Like, we're moving to here in rural California. Um, we've made this choice. Let's go all in on this. Like you said, the kids hugging the trees. I love that. <laughs> Going outside barefoot. Go all into that lifestyle, that that choice. Same thing with, you know, I lived in Singapore for two and a half years. I thought I was going to live there much longer. But um, I met some people in Singapore that were conflicted the whole time. They moved there because their job at Procter & Gamble told them they had to move there. Or, you know, sorry, we're going to put you here in this position. And they'd get there and they were kind of torn the whole time. They're like, all right, I'll be here, but I'm not going to enjoy it. And they would only uh, get their food from the American imports place. They'd just eat their Pop-Tarts and uh, peanut butter and stay in a little bubble. And they'd send their kids to the American school and surround themselves by other Americans, even though they're living in Singapore. Oh, my God, a fascinating place with so many interesting people. And what a unique place on earth that they could have gotten to know uh, if they made it a real choice and really chose it instead of this half-assed kind of like, well, all right, I'm going to do it, but I'm not going to enjoy it. It's just uh, setting yourself up for misery. That's an, absolutely a recipe for misery, to, to do something but resent it. I'm constantly sharing with my clients to stop searching in life and instead start aligning. It's true with purpose, with relationships, with higher versions of yourself, and it's also true for hiring. The best way to search is actually just to match with Indeed. Indeed is your one-stop hiring platform with millions of job seekers visiting every month, and their powerful matching engine helps you find quality candidates fast. Plus, Indeed lets you schedule interviews, screen applicants, and message candidates all in one place. But Indeed isn't just about speed. They also deliver quality. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. I love Indeed because it makes hiring so much easier. I'm all about alignment in all areas of my life, and that includes people I hire to work in my business. So I need a hiring partner that makes it simple to find candidates with the right skills. And that's Indeed. And what's really cool is Indeed's matching engine gets smarter the more you use it, learning from your preferences and over 140 million qualifications. Plus, I love that I can do all my hiring in one place. It's just one less thing to keep track of between all of the other things. So join over 3.5 million businesses worldwide who rely on Indeed to find great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash mindlove. Just go to Indeed.com slash mindlove right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mindlove. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
I'm curious how you balance the, because uh, this is another conflicting idea, is both of them golden though. And it's like, okay, go super hard and just go all in to the lifestyle of the people around you. And also don't necessarily fall into the the kind of ideology that everyone is creating around their lives. Mm. And so I moved up, one example, I moved up here to Big Bear and I love it. And I'm like, okay, I'm a nature person now. Like I'm going to walk barefoot outside. I'm going to, we're going to go into the forest and like just let our kid roam. And I want to plant a garden now that we have a yard and we're not in LA and all, all of these things. And then it's like, you get pretty far in. It's like, well, there's quite a bit of religious people. We're probably the only one in this new neighborhood that's not religious, that doesn't go to the church on the corner. <laughs> so, wow. um, but I'm also the kind of person where I'm like, I'll go a couple times. I went to the church near me over there. I think it's kind of fun to, when people get into their worship mode, I can like feel an energy in the air. And so I will just sort of be translating things in my head to fit my own view of God's source, however I want to view it for the day. And, um, but yeah, how do you balance, how do you balance really going fully committing to the new places that you live while also, I, I don't think othering yourself would be the right word. But I know what you mean though. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's just appreciation um, that you can be curious, you can be interested and you can appreciate someone's point of view without needing to adopt it as your own. Kind of like, I mean, I don't know how different you and your husband are, but um, some of my best couple friends are very different. <laughs> so different. And that's so fun when you have this kind of yin-yang dynamic in a married couple where they're so different and they can appreciate each other. I'm trying to make a yin-yang with my fists here, sorry. Um, <laughs> the, uh, that you can appreciate the differences in the other without trying to make the other person be like you without trying to make yourself be like the other person but to just smile and appreciate your differences um and acknowledge them and not say that they're wrong but be glad that this person is the way that they are that's why uh i'll give one just tiny examples when i first moved to singapore I moved from L.A. to Singapore, and I was in entrepreneur circles in California. And suddenly I'm speaking at business schools in Singapore, and I just assumed that, of course, everybody in business school wants to start their own business. So they had me speak to this class uh, of 30 young business students, and I said, okay, raise your hand if you want to start your own business. And nobody raised their hand. I was like, okay, maybe they're shy. I was like, really? Nobody? I was like, okay, they must just be too shy. Maybe this isn't a hand-raising culture. So I picked on somebody. I said, you, why don't you want to start your own business? And they said, well, my parents took the risks so that I wouldn't have to. I don't want to, like, I want to get a good paying job. I don't want to take the risk of a business. I went, huh. I was like, okay, you, why don't you want to start your own business? And turns out I had misunderstood that uh, that they saw risk as undesirable, uh, whereas I came from a place where it was extremely desirable because risk equals reward. And so the big reward comes from being the one to take the risk and everybody wanted to start their own business. And my point is, 
at first I felt that they were wrong. I was like, this, you people are wrong. <laughs> you all need to be starting your own business. This is just wrong. Or, or I'll pick one more to, to not focus on that one example. Uh, I met a lot of people that used to be musicians. And then they'd say that they, their parents talked them out of playing music so they could get a good job. And again, I felt, that's wrong. You need to uh, do what you want to do, not what your parents tell you to do. And eventually I realized, like, no, that's just an American individualist point of view, that doing what's best for your family or your community or your country is not wrong. It's just a different set of priorities. Um, and it took me a while to just appreciate the differences, be really glad that I had some really good Singaporean friends that I really got to know really well and really understand their mindset to the core where it came from, how it shapes their lives. And they're really good people, and so I really got to appreciate that. And, um, yeah, I, I fully immersed into Singapore culture without becoming Singaporean, without fully adopting those values, but just appreciating them. And um, same in, I think, everywhere I've gone. I, I try to immerse myself in the local culture and live like a local, but it doesn't mean I need to uh, fully adopt the, everything. I, I, I think it's just more important to just appreciate the differences. And then, like you say, uh, just have the insight into yourself to know, what do I need? I think I like this aspect of Singapore culture. I think I like that aspect of New Zealand culture. I think I like this from Hinduism. I think I like this from Scientology. I think I like this from Islam. And just have the self-identity, the uh, standing on your own two feet, what do you call that? Like just the kind of your certainty, your certainty about who you are and what you need, that you're not just thrown off course by everybody that presents a new idea to you, thinking that you need to doubt that you know who you are and what you need, and you can pick and choose the ideas from here and there. Yeah, I, uh, I do. You said something about living like a local, and it's funny because I think my favorite times have been when I have been balancing living like a local and living like a tourist at the exact same time. One example is uh, I moved to Hawaii for a while, and my friend was already living there and there was just certain things I wanted to do. And she was like, no, we can't do that. It's too touristy. It's too touristy. Mm. And then we left and I was like, things would pop up. And I'm like, I wish I would have done that. So I ended up going back for a couple of months and I was like, I'm going to do all the touristy things. And that's yeah. how I've moved a lot as an adult, probably because I was used to moving as a child. And that was kind of my coping mechanism for a long time was like, oh, things are getting hard here. Let me just go to a whole new location. And so, yeah. um, and it was great because I learned how to make new friends really quickly, but I also learned how to explore on my own, which I found a lot of people don't do. Like they don't like going to a restaurant by themselves or they don't like just mm -hmm. going on a hike by themselves. And that's what I got really good at. That's how I made friends is I would sit at the bar at restaurants. And so when I moved to LA, I had a list of 100 things that I wanted to do. 
and wow. all the places I had seen on like a reality show or like in the lists of top 20 things to do in LA or whatever. And I checked off like 80 of those and I feel very wow. accomplished from my LA life. It was awesome. That's cool. I love I, that. Yeah. Like you really got to know LA. You weren't just hide, living in LA, but hiding in your room and, you know, reading the web. You really went and did LA. That's so cool. And that. then like the things that like in the group of yogis, what is everyone doing? Oh, they're doing ecstatic dance. I'm going to do that. And contact improv and all these super weird things that if you were to drop in, you'd be like, what is happening? But I think it just, what I've, what I gained from it is that it expanded my ideas of what is normal and mm. what's possible, really. I think people are just waiting for somebody else to kind of guide them. But it reminds me of a line in your book where you said, live like you're the only person on earth. And that is, I, I think I did that for a couple of years. I was like, I don't have anyone to travel with. And then I just gave up on that. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm moving cities on my own. Why can't I just travel on my own and and do these things on my own? And and I, it, I think it just made me a little bit fearless. And it's something that I hope to instill in my children. It's like, oh, you want to do that? Do it by yourself. <laughs> I'll give you $10 to do this by yourself. Yeah, I love that. I, by the way, in a few hours, I'm going to see the new Wes Anderson movie by myself. Oh, perfect. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, it's like a 2 p.m. on a Wednesday. And uh, I just uh, thought, yeah, it's, it's not play. It's, you know, an obscure little movie. It's not playing at many movies. I really want to see it on the big screen. I didn't feel like asking friends to come along or waiting till it was a nighttime till I could do it. It's like, yeah, taking that 2 p.m. Wednesday show. So uh, anyway, yes, the um, but what you're talking about is a common thread with something you mentioned earlier of the the picking and choosing to say, like, yes, I'm going to live in Hawaii, but I also want to do these things. And I don't care if you are. You know what? Your friend was trying to put it into a camp. The locals do this. The tourists do that. Which camp are you going to be in? No, no, Melissa, you're in the locals' camp. You can't do the things from their camp. Those are tourist things. You're not allowed to do that tribe. So, uh, yeah, you were trying to detribe it and uh, do some things from both. And yeah, tribalism. We got to fight against it. Yesterday, we were moving, and my husband had a bunch of stuff on the top of our car as we're just it's only we're only moving four miles away and we're driving through and he goes everyone thinks we're tourists right now and i was like you hate that don't you <laughs> he's like i hate it so much because <laughs> this he lived in big bear before i did and um mm. and that's where we met we and then we traveled around together and came back but um he's always just prided himself on like being the local you know the parking spots by the mountain and like all the little things how to avoid the traffic and it's like rolling his eyes at the tourists and oh we have a a mountain term the people that are not from the mountain are called flatlanders and so you'll hear people mutter that freaking frat flatlanders like when yes. they're like stopping in the middle of the road to put their chains on and all of that and, and i was just like let's just own it let's just act like yeah. tourists it's like how i was reading there's some poem i wish i could remember who wrote it but it's like the joking about getting older and it's like, well, now I'm, I, when I was younger, I did this and this. Now that I'm older, basically saying how he's going to do all the crazy things on purpose because nobody is going to fault you for it. It's like, oh, you're, you're picking somebody else's flower. Oh, it's just this old man, you know, <laughs> like, right. you're not going to get mad at him for picking the flower in the garden. And, and I'm like, live like that now. <laughs> but, but 
even then, so notice how you said, let's rock it and let's, let's just let people think we're the tourists. But I think there is a hybrid that we should all consider is to let people know that we can be independent thinkers and let them know, no, I'm not in the uh, the the Flatlanders camp. <laughs> is that what it's called? Are you Flatlanders? Right? No, we're mountain people. <laughs> no, but what was what was oh. the other one called? Oh yeah, Flatlanders. They're the, okay. They're I the did get it right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so it's um, we're not saying that we're hundred percent in either camp. I'm saying that we are mostly this way. But there's some good ideas from that. That I um, God, even I'm a little proud of my 14 year old self. When I think back, that I was way into heavy metal at 14. All my friends were into heavy metal. But there was this Cyndi Lauper song that I, in fact, just Cyndi Lauper in general. I loved Cyndi Lauper. And my friends were like, oh, God, how can you listen to this crap? I was like, because it's good. It's like, this is a great song. And I think the same thing came along later with like Britney Spears. Hit Me Baby One More Time was a great song. And I was surrounded by jazz musicians. I was in the music scene in New York City at the time. And my friends were like, how could you listen to this? I remember I remember ringtones. I made the ringtone oh, yeah. on my phone. <laughs> you know, the, the opening notes of Hit Me Baby One More Time. Because I liked it so much. I wanted to hear that little thing every time my phone rang. And um, yeah, I was around somebody when my phone rang. And they're just like, dude, what the hell? Because they were, it's this wanting to put you in a camp. Are you a person that has sophisticated music tastes or are you a disgusting shallow teenager <laughs> pop girl which camp are you in but it, i think it's really cool to um show people and yourself that you're an independent thinker that will pick and choose what you like and not uh give in to the pull of tribalism that is such a good point I am immediately reminded of when I was visiting the Hollywood sign and I was taking pictures and this woman goes, where are you from? And I was like, here. And she's like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, I've lived here for a year, but it's time to come see the Hollywood sign. And she's like, I didn't know that locals do that. And I was like, oh yeah, I've got this whole list. And I like pulled up the list. But your story about the music reminds me of, um, I've always kind of listened to different music than most people. And I think I I identified with that. (laughs) But um, there was a, a... a song by, it was a heavy metal song, Iron Maiden, Hallowed Be Thy Name. I just loved it. And uh-huh. that was one of my ringtones <laughs> for nice. a specific person. <laughs> Back when you had to like, um, you had to like oh, import right, the per them. person ringtone, yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. But like I had a Blackberry at the time and you you had to go through quite a few steps to like be able to, it wasn't called jailbreaking with that, but something to be able to get my own ringtone. It took me like 40 yeah. minutes to get it on the phone and ha- wow. an Iron Maiden was one of them. So I appreciate yeah. that for sure. You know, the, so I also, uh, that's why I interrupted you earlier when you mentioned a book about Islam, because I just last year or this year read a book, fascinating book called What Everyone Should Know About Islam. It was so good. You might really like it. It's done in kind of an FAQ format where, um, yeah, it's not written as a narrative, uh, prosaic, whatever you call it. Just right away, uh, the guy just answers uh, the most common questions people have about Islam. And uh, so I'm trying to find something similar with Hinduism. So far, everything I've found about Hinduism is drowning me in names. It's, I mean, 
every page is telling you 20 names for things. You know, this, which is called this, and your, your, your chakra, which is called that, and this person who is called that, and the story of this, which is called that. I'm going, is it possible to teach Hinduism without all of these names? Can you get to the essence of the, the practices, the beliefs, the mindset, without drowning me in what the name for everything is? Ram Das would be a good one to go deep on because okay. he, uh, his guru, and he just, he'll call to the names of things every now and then, but that's not the, the essence. It's like if he thinks it's important, but all of his teachings, and that's, I like to go really hard at one thing at a time. That way I really understand it. I used to sort of mm -hmm. dabble the whole time. And now I'm just in this where I, I just want to know, I want to be able to differentiate what's what rather than just getting all these beautiful spiritual messages at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, I I went really hard on Course in Miracles, and now I'm going really hard on Ram Das. And so I'm actually going nice. through, there's a podcast called Here and Now, and it's really just, there's a foundation that their whole purpose is to preserve people like Ram Das and Alan Watts and, and things like that. And so it's their podcast. And so there's a little intro by some guy, but I usually skip through past that to about 15 minutes and then just listen to Ram Das talk. And I'm on episode like 50 and I understand more about Hinduism now than I <laughs> ever did cool. even reading specific books on it. So that might be helpful okay. for you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, we have covered a lot of grounds on this. And <laughs> Fun stuff. I love these subjects. I, I love, like, almost everything you brought up. I went, yes, I'm so glad we're going to talk about this. So, yeah, thank you. Wonderful yes. conversation. Well, just thank you to what you're adding to the world because I feel like you're, like, my star brother from across. Yeah. I'm like, yes, somebody that at least views the world I don't even know how to word it because it's I, not I, one thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like just I know what you mean. Taking yeah, inspiration. There were so many things you said that that we can that we have in common. Yeah. Kindreds. It's the it's the appreciation for it all. And yeah. there's I had this epiphany the other day where I'm like, oh my God, appreciate the two meanings of appreciate. It's like what you focus on expands, mm. but what you give gratitude grows. And That's so a good one. I hadn't I, thought about that. I love like the idea of like now I've I've had the word appreciation just in my mind all the time. It's like, nope, just appreciate this <laughs> and mm. uh, and it will appreciate. So thank you for what you've brought to this episode, the world, this conversation. For listeners that are interested in learning about all of your books, where's the best place for them to connect? Oh, just go to my website. Don't go to Amazon. Screw them. Go to my website, <laughs> contact me directly. I don't even do social media platforms. I don't like them either. Go to my website is sive.rs. It's just my name with a dot. And uh, send me an email. I really like, the, honestly, the kind of person who listens to Melissa's podcast and listened all the way to the end of this is my kind of person. So <laughs> introduce yourself, say hello, tell me who you are. Send me an email. I reply to every single one, and I really love them. All the links for this episode will be at mindlove.com slash 321. Your challenge for this week is to bring awareness into the times that you think that something is right or wrong. Notice when you're judging something for what is. Notice when you're wishing for something to change. Notice when you're looking at what somebody should or should not have done. 
all of these are judgments and expectations. But what if, instead of enforcing our idea of the way things should be, we just allowed them to be as they are? Because even when something is totally wrong in the most evil way, you never know when it is the catalyst for somebody's transformation. You don't see the divine plan of how everything is here to help us get to our next levels, no matter how hard or painful that they may seem. So just bring awareness around this. This is the first step to changing those expectations and those thoughts that we have. Remember how we've talked about, instead of saying, why is this happening to me? Ask, what is in this for me? Why is this happening for me? We're trying to change our mindset to fully believe that everything is in our highest good, no matter how difficult it might be. And you can resist this idea all you want, thinking, Melissa, how could you say that this horrible thing over here is how it's supposed to be, is what should be happening? But what's the alternative? It's already happening. So how is me resisting what is going to help anything at all? If we want to flow with the natural process of life, we have to start accepting things as they are, no matter how terrible that they might seem, no matter how challenging it is for us. And that mindset shift is where your opportunity for transformation lies. So reach out to me on Instagram at mindlovemelissa and let me know how it goes. If you love this episode and think somebody else would love it as well, consider sharing it. Tap the share button and send it directly to them or take a screenshot and tag Mind Love Melissa and Mind Love Podcast. All of my amazing sponsors are at mindlove.com sponsors with some pretty incredible discount codes. So go check that out. And don't forget to sign up for the morning Mind Love. Every day, it's kind of like an oracle to your highest self. You can find out more at mindlove.com or text the word morning to 33777. And that's all for today. So thanks for giving your mind a little love today, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week. 